Emo had gone mainstream by 2007, in large part due to Jimmy World, who released their fifth studio album in October of that year. A wave of bands like My Chemical Romance and The Plain White Tees had accelerated Emo's ascent into public consciousness and in the process, shifted the scene to a younger audience around the globe. Jimmy World were slowly transitioning into the veterans of the scene at this point, having existed for beyond a decade and outlasting early contemporaries like the movie Life and Further Seems Forever. Jimmy World built their reputation on unapologetically being themselves, and Chase the Light is no different. The band still battles life's daily anxieties, but their 2007 release shows a more mature side of the band. Chase the Light is a record of hope, fear, and desperation. And above all else, it's an art school album. My guest today is one of my favorite humans on earth. Uh, they constantly are just a delight to be around whenever I am around them, and I am so excited that they are finally on the podcast today. My guest today is the nurse, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm, I love that intro. I think that when I go to work now, I'm going to start expecting that intro, the, the best human in the on earth. I love it. One of my favorites, <laughs> whenever I'm around your husband, who is a good friend of mine, Rich Kreitch. Yes. My first question is not, hey, Rich, how are you? My first question is always, where is Michelle? Is Michelle <laughs> going to be here? I think that probably but bothers him, but typically it involves wrestling, so I have nowhere to be found. T- typically, it doesn't involve professional wrestling, and typically, Michelle, like a normal human, is not yes. there. <laughs> typically, she's gone, and I don't blame her for that at all. Now, you are the nurse. I am the nurse. Um, I've heard there are some things happening in the world that might be affecting your job right now. Oh, is there something happening right now? I don't know. Oh, the coronavirus thing. Yes. Um, Currently working in the COVID unit, ICU at uh, Loyola. We're the second unit. They started off with the surgical ICU, filled that up. Now they're filling us up. So I guess work's been a little different than usual, but, you know, getting it's only three days a week. So there's that. Now, Michelle, I'm a part of the Gen Z generation, the people that went to okay, Florida for spring like, break. Because you, you're much too young to be a millennial, right? I'm, I'm not a millennial. I'm bothered okay. when people say I'm a millennial because I'm not whatever that is. But my generation, which I had considered to be a forward-thinking, sort of progressive, uh, smart generation, really disappointed me with this entire situation. So before oh, yeah. we dive Y'all in... Y'all are fucking this up. You really Jimmy are. Album, <laughs> would you like to give a message to Gen Z real quick, just some reminders of what to be doing in this time of crisis? Um, so as... So I am not like a mom because I don't have children, but I'm like old enough to be a mom. So I'm just going to say I was out at the park the other day. I was going for a run by myself doing my social distancing thing. And I saw all these kids. There was like a 15 person ultimate Frisbee game. And then I was um, judged a little harshly when I decided to call the cops on them. You called (laughs) the cops on them? Yes, I called the cops on them. Fuck that shit. They need to be at home inside. And it was, I'm sorry, it was Gen Zers that they were young. They were like, um, I had, they had to be like 20, 22, 20. That would, I mean, anyway, that's my age. Yeah. They're old enough to know better. So I called the cops and then the cops went and told him to go home. So Rich told me that I was being a Karen, but I don't care. I'm not usually that person, but whatever. It's interesting <laughs> to know that you are a cop caller and not a shot caller. Typically yes. I considered you to be a baller, but in this situation, I guess <laughs> well, not. 
It was funny because Rich was like, oh, did the 16-year-old skateboarding Michelle that wrote Anarchy Science on things, which she didn't think that she'd grow up to be the cop caller narc. And I was like, uh, no, I didn't see that myself. But, you know, hey, Corona changes people. It's such a drastic twist. Now you're all about private property and skateboarders need to find a skate park to go to. Yeah. You know, the go city funds those park. things for a reason. Why don't you skate there? But, but you know what? When coronavirus is over, skate everywhere. Grind on my curves. I don't give a shit. But while this is going on, stay in your house and skate only in your driveway. <laughs> so you were a teenage anarchist. That is why I, you I are was. here. You are someone that I consider to kind of be my gateway into the history of the Chicago pop punk scene because you were around for, say, shows at the Fireside Bowl. You were there when bands like Fall Out Boy, who I know you hate because the first oh, time I, I met you, the first yes. time I met you, we were at a professional wrestling show and I walked up to you and I was in your husband. I was talking to Rich and then you just like interjected and you saw, I think you saw somebody that you knew and you're like, I, I think I went to high school with that dude. I fucking hate that guy you know he he thought he was cool because he liked fallout boy everybody liked fallout boy it was 2004 i mean what was his problem and that was kind of my first introduction to you and ever since then i mean i've just been a huge fan so so see yeah that's a great introduction that's actually like the basis of my personality i think in that right there so <laughs> how did you fallout boy. just hating fallout boy how did you it, it just immerse yourself into this world of pop punk maybe anarchy describe just this time period where you're discovering these bands so actually it's pretty great because my dad was always super supportive when i was like 15 or 16 you know he let me get my first uh, acoustic guitar and then like later on my I, I own a couple of guitars now, my Fender Strat and a Martin Acoustic, which I haven't touched in a few years. Maybe quarantine would be a good time to come back to that. Dust it all. But um, he would take me most notably to like plain white tea shows. This was back when they would play at like these park district centers and there'd be like 20 people there. And at the time, I thought Tom Higginson was just literally the coolest human ever. And I would, you know, go to their shows and get so excited because, you know, I'd get one of their picks at the end of the show, one of their guitar picks. And I still have like a little drawer full of them. Um, so I would see them bands like I don't think you're going to know any of these people, but the scissors, they were like uh, or sorry, they weren't even the scissors back then. Back then, they were probably backdrop, but they were just like these local bands at the time. Fall Out Boy was like a very local band and playing at like the park districts and festivals, whatever. Um, what, what other bands would people know? I guess, I don't know. But anyway, then when I got a little older, my parents would like drop me off in the city, which in retrospect, if I had children right now, I would not just like drop them off downtown or let them take the metro train downtown and walk to the metro. It seems so unsafe. I would not but... recommend that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I but... live in that part of the city, and I don't know if, like, a 16-year-old unsupervised needs to be getting off at the Addison yeah. stop on the red line anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, no, like, uh, like just two 16-year-old girls. Or sometimes I'd go with my guy friends, and, I like, my parents were like, oh, you'll be safe. You're with Colin. And I was like, what? He's just, like, a skinny, like, boy wearing skinny jeans. Like, what's he going to do? Yeah, like, I'm going to the plain white tee show. It's not exactly, like, a, a pool of masculinity. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. No, not really. So they were really cool about it. In retrospect, it's a miracle I'm alive, but I'm happy that at the time I got those experiences of going to the Metro, the Fireside Bowl, and just like watching all these bands that, I mean, I can't even think of all the shows that I went to, but the, the Juliana Theory when they were around. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Saw a lot of, I saw Further Seems Forever at the Metro, the Ataris, um, just like a lot of like awesome, the Metro is my favorite venue. They had a lot of really great shows. And then when it was a music venue, the Fireside Bowl was second. I saw like Dashboard Confessional play an acoustic set there with like 30 people. It was like really great. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the Fireside Bowl because by the time I had moved to Chicago, it was no longer a part-time music venue. It was just a bowling alley, and I went in there a few years ago with uh, friends of the show Joey Bay and Grandpa Sean Sloan. And oh, Sean Sloan, yes. <laughs> and we had we we had time to kill before we were going to professional wrestling show. It all comes full circle, but we had some time to kill in the afternoon. We were like, well. Let's go to Fireside. None of us have ever been there. Let's bowl and let's just hang out and kind of just be in that presence because Fireside Bowl is a really legendary venue in the Chicago scene. It's where bands like Braid and American Football played their first few shows. It's, you know, that second generation of your Fallout Boys and your Dashboard Confessionals played there. And we just wanted to be in the building. And we walk in on a Saturday afternoon. It's like one o'clock. There is nobody in the bowling alley. There is nobody bowling, but there are two employees there. And we ask, you know, how much for, you know, an hour of bowling or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, 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 uh, you guys can't bowl. I'm like, are you, it's empty. What are you talking about? They're like, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's reserved. There will be people here later, like a really unconvincing way. And so yeah. we got kicked out of the fireside bowl. We just wanted to bowl there. We went to, oh, a, a, we went to a second bowling alley that had a hundred lanes in it. Every single one of them was filled. It's the most crowded bowling alley I've ever seen. They said there's a league there that plays on Saturdays, and we were intruding on their space. And finally, we found a third bowling alley in the middle of nowhere that we ended up bowling at. But my fireside bowl history is far less exciting than yours, it Yes, like. it is. So I will say, you were in the building. It was not much different when it was a band. It was, like, literally, like, in the corner of, like, the lanes would still be on the side and then say the lanes were to your right and you were facing the one wall and the bar and everything was to your left. It was literally just like a very small raised platform just kind of crammed into the corner and it was not a big venue, not a lot of space. So. Yeah, it, but those are the best shows because they feel so like intimate and like you feel everything and you're just like, you feel like you're best friends with every single person in that place. And it's just so great. It reminded me a little bit of downstairs at Subterranean, which like upstairs at Sub T is my favorite place to see a show just because I've seen a handful of like really amazing shows there. Downstairs, it's again, it's like that like raised stage that's like three inches off the ground yeah. and then there's a bar there and I'm 6'2". I never have issues seeing at shows. Like I always have good sight lines no matter where I am. If I'm downstairs at Sub T, I, every time I've seen a show there, I've had someone taller than me standing directly in front of me, and I get super oh intimidated God. and super annoyed by it because I am typically the tall guy at the shows. Right. You don't, you don't know what it's like to be the, like me, 5'4", just trying to live life. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to live your life. <laughs> but um, another big venue when I was growing up um, was the Bottom Lounge, and but it was at a different place of where it is now. It's in so a really now, weird think, spot now. So where was yeah, it before that? More west. So this, if I'm remembering right, you would get off the L, and do you know where Clark's is? It's like that old school diner. I don't know if it's still there. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Um, it was like down the block from that because we'd always eat at Clark's afterwards. So, but it was in a much 
different place but it was like again like a really cool intimate like small grimy venue that was just so great and i saw a lot of really great bands there too yeah i i love the current bottom lounge the last time i was there i saw another legendary chicago band the smoking popes i got very scared after the show because i was standing right below like a giant overhead speaker the entire show and for the next three days really struggled to hear out of my left ear and that was when i made the decision to adopt uh i'm an ear plug guy now at shows oh i need to adopt that because you know people say shit to me at work i'm like no man i've been to too many punk rock shows i don't know what you're saying like i cannot hear you (laughs) it's really bad i mean i'm 21 and i i really struggle hearing and with everything i do i need to be able to hear it's kind of a key component of my life is listening to other people (laughs) and it it really spooked me and thus i'm now an earplug guy you mentioned, or you know, we've been talking about these great Chicago bands. All of them seem to tie back into the emo genre at some point. You were someone that had reached out to me after the My Chemical Romance Welcome to the Black Parade episode that we did because you have a completely different perspective on a band like My Chemical Romance than someone oh my, my age it does. Was- Okay, let me just tell you, it was wild listening to your podcast about MCR because... Some other podcast. Um, do you know Blake Murphy, one of Rich's other buds? He also does like a music podcast. Yeah. So this is what surprised me. He's a bit closer to me in age. I'm 32. So, but he was also putting Black Parade up on this pedestal, and I kind of get where like your age group would do it a bit more because that's kind of like when you were growing up. That's what was there, but. For me, that is when I fell off of my Kummel Kromance. I'm not going to lie. Okay, this unpopular opinion. Everybody's going to hate me and stop listening now. Here we go. But I stopped listening to Mike. I listened to parts of that album and I was like nope not for me and I tossed it away and I was like the old chemical my chemical romance I will always love like the you bought uh what was the was it you brought me your bullets you bought me your love something like that it was something dark and depressing like that that's see that's where I'm at that's where so even three cheers for for sweet sweet, oh yeah so I brought you my bullets. You brought me your love was my favorite album. That was their, I believe their first album That was. And then three cheers was like, I was like, ah, and then black parade. I was like, Nope, I'm out. I'm cashing in. This is it. And then never turned back, which kind of bums me out because Gerard Wade just generally absolutely seems like an awesome person. So I want to love everything he does. And, but it just wasn't for me. Let me ask you about another band real quick, just because I I discussed them a few weeks back of like Green Day. So for people my age, like they were introduced to Green Day through American Idiot. And there might be people that know like when I come around and Basket Case and maybe Longview. But I feel like you have an entirely different perspective on that band, especially because you were. I'm going to tell you what my perspective is. I always hated Green Day. Weirdly, that makes total sense. That doesn't surprise (laughs) me at all. (laughs) Like I was a, a... I feel like for for me, it was like you were either Green Day or Blink-182, and I just all in on Blink-182, and I just never got into Green Day, never went back and decided, oh, this is something I should like. I get the appeal for other people, but it just like never made it into my shuffle, and so I just like never got into it. I think you're totally right, because I was someone that was late to the Blink-182 party, and I grew up listening to a lot of Green Day. 
You mentioned, oh, okay. oh yeah, it's. I feel like you're like one or the other. I don't know. Maybe I, that's I'm something I hadn't considered, but now that you say it, it's like, oh yeah, like I don't know a ton of people that fall into both camps. It's yeah. And if you plant your flag in the Blink 182 camp, more power to you. I think that's a bold move. Green Day's been a little more consistent. I think they're a little bit better. But anyways, we are here <laughs> to talk about Jimmy Eat World. Yes, a band that I really don't know a ton about. So. Why Jimmy Eat World and why 2007's Chase the Light? Okay, so I feel like that's another unpopular opinion because um, I feel like everybody always goes to Bleed American. That's that's the album that they're in love with. Or I feel like I know a lot of people who love Jimmy Eat World and they like those early albums like Future and things like that. And they're just and then even by the time they get to Bleed American, they're out. Like that was that was their like Black Parade of Jimmy Eat World. They were like, nope, that's sellout. I'm done. Like that's mainstream. So they only like before even Bleed American. But and I would even say after Chase This Light, it really takes another turn. Like when you listen to like Integrity Blues, you can always tell it's Jimmy Eat World, but it just gets like these different, you can just feel the different parts of like their life or like the styles and the influences that they were having at the time are just pretty different. They always come back to this like underneath like Jimmy Eat World vibe, but I always feel like each album kind of has its own um, like, I don't know what's the word like very intent like intent to it I guess yeah there's a certain Uh, message that they're trying to uh purvey throughout the album yes yeah I when you mentioned that you wanted to do a Jimmy World album you first just mentioned the band I was like okay what album do you want to do and I thought you were gonna say you you thought Bleed American didn't you Bleed American or even though because I know you and I know it, you had shared your Black Parade opinion with me, and I just know you, Michelle. I know you like to go against the grain. I know you're so alternative <laughs> in your everyday life. I was like, maybe she'll want to do Clarity or Static Prevails, which was their first album. But no, then, don't get me wrong. That has a place in my heart, too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> but you threw me a real curveball with Chase the Light because it's post-Bleed American, which means I know none of it. And I know a very little bit of Clarity, which was 1999. It's looked at as one of the seminal second wave emo albums. Bleed American, I know the hits on, but even as I was looking through that track list preparing for the show, I was like, man, I really, I guess I only know like three or four songs. I guess I don't know this band as well as I thought. And then you have 2004's Futures and then Chase the Light. So what are you doing in October of 20, or I guess of 2007, that attaches you to this album? Um, I can tell you exactly, because like I know the moment that this album just like changed my life. So I had bought it, um, and actually, you know, I listened to it here and there, kind of sat in my, this was like, I bought it on actual CD. Um, my car didn't have a CD player always in it. So it was one of those things you had to clip in to the cigarette lighter. If you wanted to listen to a CD, if that makes sense to you, vaguely. probably not. Yeah. yeah vaguely. A little okay. bit. I have, I have friends that have old cars, so I kind of understand <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. So, um, I didn't always listen to it, but, um, I think it was like around December. I, my, Grandma lives in Charleston, South Carolina, and typically we drive there because flights are super expensive and it's like a decent drive, like 12, six, 12 to 14 hour drive. So it was me and my dad. We went alone just to go like check in with my grandma, say what's up. And I brought this album along and we always drive overnight. And my dad's like, oh, I'm going to take a nap. Do you want to drive for a little bit? I was like, yeah, no problem. 
pop this like my dad falls asleep i'm driving through the smoky mountains pop this album in listen to it start to finish and then like as soon as it ends i was just like holy shit this album is incredible switched back to the beginning and just like played it through over and over while i was driving for a couple hours and it was like I was just like, this is a perfect album. I love everything about it. Okay, I do have some flaws with it, which I will bring up later. But overall, like, I don't know. I just had this connection with it. Now when I listen to it, it just reminds me of, like, driving with my dad, listening to it, whatever. But it also, the songs in it, the lyrics particular. I'm a lyrics person. I know there's definitely people who are like melodic people. And they're but awful. I'm... It's a weird, disgusting <laughs> way of looking at life. If you're not caring about the lyrics first and foremost, I do not understand why you're listening to the music. And I personally think that this has some of Jimmy World's like greatest lyrics in here. I don't know. That's just me. But again, I could probably go listen to Clarity and be like, nope, these are the best <laughs> lyrics. But I don't know. This album... For me, somehow, it's just very special, so. Well, let's get into it. I will let you know now. I have some qualms with the album. We will discuss it as we hit them. Uh, I hope they're the same as mine, but we'll see. There are some things, as I was listening to this, again, it was an album that I was completely unfamiliar with before I sat down to listen to it for this podcast. There are some observations I made of things that I maybe didn't love, but the opening track is Big Casino. How do you feel about this as the opening track? I like it as the opening track because, and and maybe you can educate me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like Jimmy World were becoming kind of poster children for like sad boy rock and like we're what a lot of people's issue with the emo genre as a whole was of just very depressive, no girl likes me, like I'm down on my luck sort of vibes. And this song, which leads off the album at this point, we're post Bleed American, they've had mainstream MTV level success. It's like, hey, we're a New Jersey success story. Things aren't all bad. So I liked the tone of this to start the album. Yes. And it's like upbeat. It hits you right away with like that first couple of chords. And it's just like, I think it's a great opener. I think you could go from like Bleed American to this and then just like see there's ties to it, but also that it's its own new thing, if that makes sense. It does. And it's struck me listening to this that you know again jimmy world has maybe not a stigma but they certainly have a reputation uh of being you know those emo kids but listening to this song and also just taking into 2020 consideration of you know me someone that works in alternative radio or did according to the state of illinois i am currently unemployed (laughs) oh my god how that goes um but as someone that did work in alternative radio something that jumped out to me from the start was this was heavier and had more distortion and more guitars than anything that is currently played on alternative radio and just I, i wasn't anticipating like wow this is kind of like sonically heavy from a jimmy eat world song but compared to what's on the airwaves today it is Yeah. Well, or like you listen to Clarity and then it's like, you know, they're just like, hey, guys, did you know we had these like 
distortion pedals should we just like use these and they're like yeah that might be cool dope let's try it like <laughs> and i'm all for it because a lot of what was becoming prevalent in the emo scene at the time was like a more what's considered to be a math rock sound in a band like american football who were mm-hmm. super against distortion and i don't know it's fine but at some point i need some muscle and some yes. grit in the album and i think that happens in track two as well let it happen Which is a really big sounding song. And this is an album that the band self-produced, but they had people overseeing the production of it on a, on a less day-to-day basis on a, on a bigger scale. Butch Vig, in particular, who was the producer for Nirvana's Nevermind. He'll come up again later because I have a theory. But Let It Happen, just a big, powerful song that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, and I think it flows from like Big Casino into that really well. Like... I don't know. It's it's got a nice vibe to it, a little different, like you were saying. Keeps with that, like it's not stripped down. What I, this whole album, what I like about it, it's not stripped down. It's got depth and like it's more. It's got a lot of depth to it. So particularly if you're listening like with some headphones or something, you just hear everything. And I just said that I'm not a melody person. I'm a lyric person. But if you just hear the way that they have the instruments going with the flow of the lyrics, it's like way more complex than I think a lot of stuff ends up being. Maybe I'm wrong, but again, it's been a long time since I played music, but there seems to be a lot of depth to it. Michelle, I think you sound super smart saying it, so whether it's right or not, I'm going to keep it in because I think it sounds Just... good. There's something thematically about this album that like, I like in these opening two tracks there's some sort of maturity at least that they're flirting with and this idea that they're maybe not children anymore and to someone who is in their 30s sorry to call you out but yeah. does it album- call me out. yeah by the way that old the other episode you're like yeah like those 30 year olds are living the the suburbs i was like wow i feel personally attacked right now <laughs> but does an album like this maybe age a little bit better to you rather than an album made by 18 year olds that are talking about how you know no girl will ever like me does yeah. this sound appeal a little bit more to you now when you're in the, your current state I say that like yeah. you're old and decrepit my current state my current oldness state no so uh, that's hard to say because when I heard it what like 13 years ago when I did hear it 13 year ago, years ago I think it hit me exactly the same although I mean I guess I was like upper I was like a junior sophomore junior in college so I was not like super young either but well now it seems like I was but (laughs) as a junior in college I am so young I am so spry stay like that forever (laughs) um but I don't know it hit me the same as it did when I was a junior in college as it like when I put it on right now I just it. I don't know. I just have that same emotional attachment to it. Uh, but I think you're right. I think the it was a bit more of a mature album, so maybe that's why it held up so well. Could have been a night like any other. 
is track number three. Oh. This, I think, more than any song on the album, I I looked at this as like, oh, this is the Jimmy Eat World sound. This is yeah. like this is when they go Jimmy back yeah. to like their roots. They're like, oh wait, okay, we remember who we are. Um, I what I like about this one and and the next song on the album too is that you have these like super sad like sad boy lyrics so depressing but it's this upbeat like poppy like melody and rhythm so if you're just like half listening to this this sounds like this like poppy pop song that's like like a feel-good song and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like oh damn this is not a happy song it is possibly the characteristic that I look for most in music is exactly what you just described because, and it would not be an episode of this podcast if I did not mention the Smiths. Uh, that was <laughs> their entire thing was Johnny Marr would have these jangly, happy guitar riffs. And then yes. Morrissey would come in with something horribly depressive. And I was like, yeah, more yeah. of that. And I think Jimmy world is right along the same lines. And, you know, it could be said about this entire genre of music, but the fact is, you know, bleed American was a massive, like I said earlier, a mainstream success that ushered in opportunities for bands like this and of this caliber to dip their hands in the pool of major labels of music videos being played on MTV and now it's nice to see a band there's nothing I hate more than a band that says they're maturing and by that they just mean they're getting boring I mean we've been dealing with bad Pearl Jam albums for 20 years now and it's you know it's always a new step for Eddie Vedder and he's really showing off another side of himself but I never care because he's boring now and Jimmy World is showing that there's still some fight left in them which is nice yeah and I mean I think a lot of people expected them to fail with this album because it's like oh how do you follow up Bleed American and then and I think they've done this with a few albums Every time they come out with something new, I'm like, oh, God. And I'm always like kind of afraid. Like they just came out with something. Uh, I want to say this year, but it was last year. I think it was fall of last year. Um, what was the name of it? Surviving. Um, and I was honestly, I was hesitant to listen to it. I saw that it was released and I waited a full week to listen to it because I was like, I don't want to have my heart ripped out if this album sucks. Like, I can't deal with that. And then I brought myself to listen to it and I was like, holy shit, it's still Jimmy Eat World. It sounds different. They've had a little bit of a different influence, but at the same time, like at the core, you can tell it's still them and what makes them Jimmy Eat World. And I was just like really happy with that. Is it one of my favorite albums? No, probably not, but it's a solid album and I will definitely listen to it all the time now. So I think like just a lot of albums that they've had, they haven't really been like letting anybody down. How was the band perceived, at least in your bubble around this time? Were they dealing with any sort of backlash or were they, I'm assuming you probably had a booming MySpace presence at the time. Were they a cool? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> were they a cool MySpace band? Was it cool to still like Jimmy Eat World in 2007? Um, I don't know. I wasn't a this might take you by surprise, but I wasn't that cool in college. So. That blows my mind because, again, whenever I'm around you, you are the most charismatic person in the room. <laughs> so I don't know why, but, well, college was a rough time. Nursing school is no joke. So Sounds I awful. was most, yeah, I was mostly just like chilling in the library, like studying my ass off. But, um, you know, I I don't I don't want this is embarrassing to say too. I, the guy that I was dating at the time was like a fraternity guy. So they only listened to like hip hop and like 
mainstream shit. So I would just like keep my mouth shut about my music preferences and then like go home and just like play Jimmy Eat World and be like, no, this is real music. Freaking idiots. They don't know. <laughs> that's good that you silenced yourself. Or like, I'm not, I'm I did. Not I was like, I can't. I, I don't want him to know. I'm going to listen to you T-Pain instead. <laughs> you, you pick your battles, okay? <laughs> <laughs> when I know I'm all alone, say your name slowly. So Carry You is track number four. Yes. It's acoustic. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very bottom heavy on this album. My favorite songs come in later, but Carry You is a great jam. I like it. Oh, no, Michelle, I've got some bad news. (laughs) Oh, no. This is a top heavy album for me. No, Case, no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to say, well... The album maybe peaks with the first three songs, and then from there, it's really back and forth on what we get. But Carry You is one that's, you know, it's it's certainly a different sound than the first three. There's a real sense of tension there. Um, Here's to living in the moment because it passed. I still can't tell if that lyric is clever or or if it's incredibly cheesy. I'm still on the fence about it. I love that lyric. I love that line. I just I've I've listened to the album like five or six times through it. Every time I get to that, I'm like, you know, I'm just not sure if I like that or not. Well, but you seem good to be thing a fan. I didn't get that tattoo I wanted when I was 21. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man, are there any lyrics on this album or just in general that are tattoo worthy in your mind? Do you have tattoos? Oh yeah, I have um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I have had six. No idea. Are any yes. of them song lyrics? No, no, they're not. That's <laughs> they're a very like um, minimalist uh, things. Um, typically, I when I go and I'm traveling, I get bored or it's raining, so that's my backup plan. Is I get a tattoo. <laughs> you get something permanent to make up for an afternoon of rain. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a normal emo kid. <laughs> Collectible is track number five. Yes. This album now, came out. Oh, go me, ahead. Yes. Let me guess. I think you would like this one. I liked this. It's we're looking at the last uh, sort of year of George W. Bush's presidential raid, and I felt like there was a lot of pent up Iraq yes. War slash George W. Bush frustration to this song. And it went into this song. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a fan of it. I like what they did here. I do too. As um, so, when I was growing up, I was also a big. So this is something you missed. I got to listen to Anti Flag when George Bush was president, which is pretty awesome. So I am a big fan of 
some political lyrics here and there. <laughs> yes, here and there. They're nice. And, and I love that the way you framed that anti-flag during George W. Bush. Yeah, no, that uh, makes sense to me. <laughs> Have you ever listened to Anti-Flag? Yeah, they're a band that I I know I know the hits, although I'm drawing a blank on them, but they were always a band and I feel like they're like I almost feel like No Effects is in the same category of like yeah. there is going to be a guy at the record store that is going to be in the punk section that will gladly recommend you their entire catalog. And oh, it's almost sure. like they're so <laughs> accessible and like there's so many people like pimping them out. I'm like, eh, yes. I'll get to it. It's not important now, though. <laughs> so then that's. Oh, sorry, I don't want to steal your. I don't want to steal your uh, show. You're the host. And you no, tell what, me what, what were you gonna do album? next? Oh, it's it's track six. It's gotta be somebody's blues. my favorite song on the album nor is it mine and it it's a break in what is a great flow everything it goes song by song they they flow together they have a nice vibe and then you hit this it's like you threw the brakes on came to a halt had this slow song and then you're gonna pick it back up after this with lucky which is it's just insane to me i don't know how it ended up on just middle of the album it cuts the album in half Although after this song, the rest of the album is my favorites. So um, I guess we differ in that opinion. But this album, this song sounds like it belongs on like Integrity Blues or a different Jimmy Eat World album. Yeah, Gotta Be Somebody's Blues, I look at it as, and it's a song loaded with violins. And it's, I, I think, a far greater leap musically than anything. Certainly the band was doing on this album, and I, I get the sense that it was more daring than anything they had done up to this point. To me, it just sounded like like a diet Nirvana unplugged. Like, yeah. I feel Butch Vig, who again produced Nevermind, like I almost felt his presence on the song. And I don't know if that's true or not, but all I could, the only parallel I could draw in my mind was like, eh, they went for... They went for something, and I don't. Yeah. I don't think it worked out. It's not a bad song. I think there are songs on this album that are far more offensive. Got to be some of these blues, those. <laughs> I hope they're not my favorites. <laughs> I I just have a bad feeling they oh, are. Oh no! But we the... we were such good friends. Just remember our relationship like this. Now how it's going to turn out to be. <laughs> it was so good. It was so pleasant, and I think things are going to go downhill. But not yet, though, because feeling lucky is next Ugh. up. There's a chance. is just delightful oh i can just this one can come on when i'm in my car and it'll be fucking sunroof open windows down and i'll yell this song i love it 
so it was uh, we hit a point where like the first four songs I'm like man like this album's really really good and then we hit Electable I'm like okay this is pretty good gotta be somebody's blues not really my favorite the pace picks back up the energy is shot right back into the album with feeling lucky and yes. I'm like this is the sound that I like this is the Jimmy world that I feel like I know I bet this song would be super fun live and then I went to setlist.fm and according to their research, they have never played this song live, which broke my heart. Oh, interesting. It, I didn't know that. It just jumped out to me. It's like, oh, man, I bet there's a live version of this from, say, the Metro or a yeah. you know, 1200 capacity building that I bet it just kicks ass. And then I ended up drawing a blank there, which is such a shame because I, I don't want to say it's my favorite song on the album because I ultimately think Let It Happen is where my taste gravitates towards that is definitely a song that i will be taking with me and implementing into future playlists from this album but feeling lucky is another one that it was almost just comforting because that jimmy eat world sound even you know like i said they're not really one of my bands i don't know them super well but i do know that they have a certain distinct sound and feeling lucky just is right on cue with what I associate them to be. Yeah. So I would say if somebody was like, oh, show me they were like new Bleed American, like they knew uh, the middle and like the two other main hits off of Bleed American. If they were like, show me Jimmy Eat World, but a little more like a little different than Bleed American. I think this would be one of the songs that I would give to them. Um, it's just like poppy. It's upbeat. The lyrics are perfect. I love them. They're, I will sing it all day, every day. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. The next song, Michelle. Track eight. Here it goes. On, it's on. I declare my room a scene. Gone, then gone. It's too much that they say you need. It's not perfection yet. How boring if it is. Nothing new for me. Oh, no. Okay, so oh, can no. I? Sh- oh no, because I struggle with here it goes, chase this light and firefight as like my you know how people group the three the best three songs on the album or whatever. Yes, I think that's mine. Oh, boy. <laughs> or I struggle with starting with here it goes, chase this light and firefight. Or my other option would be chase this light, firefight, and dizzy. And I think it's the latter, but. I'm I'm going to encourage you to say it's the latter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think here it goes is this album's the middle. Oh, I think that's a disservice to the middle because oh. I really like the middle and I am really bothered by this song. What do you not like about it? This, is it something specific? This song feels like it should be in a JC Petty's commercial. I think it is so cheesy. <laughs> I don't I don't like any of it. The drums really bothered me in this song, which I can't exactly pinpoint, but okay. listening to it, I was just like, 
ugh, that doesn't sound good. And then we've got this chorus of, you know, cut it to the left and I rock, slide it to the right and I roll. What is that? I am not on board with this at all. I will. I was um, making uh, cinnamon rolls earlier and the song came on. So good, by the way. And oh my God, they're chai frosted cinnamon rolls. The best. Um, And... I was just like dancing in my kitchen and then I looked out my window and my neighbor's just like right there. And I was like, oh, hey, man, what's up? (laughs) But I was hardcore dancing to the song, yelling it out. I I like the song. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm glad you had that moment. I'm glad because you're living a hellacious life right now. There's a lot of just (laughs) destruction going on on a day to day basis with you right now. And I'm sorry you have to go through that. I'm glad you can find comfort in this song. But it was it was so off putting for me every time I listened to it. And now, okay, so this is probably one of the songs that I will say maybe because it was like ingrained in me when I was so young and it's nostalgic, maybe that's why I have such a soft spot for it. I'm not quite sure. I have to maybe believe that I would be kind of like you, that if I heard this right now for the first time, I might kind of be like, uh, I don't know. But so it might be a nostalgic effect. There will certainly be like lyrics by a band like the Front Bottoms that, you know, in 11 years when I'm 32, um, I will be like, oh, man, I don't like the way that sounds now. Or better yet, I will have some 21 year old asshole talking to me and going, man, this sucks, sucks. And they'll be invalidating my youth and I'll feel really bad about myself. Yeah. And then you'll be like, wow, okay." (laughs) And I'll just have to deal with that. The front bottoms. If you're just like on the verge of crying on your way to work and you know that it's going to be bad, you just throw on a front bottoms album. You'll be fine. Jimmy Eat World or the front bottoms. Either way, you'll forget about it until you pull into the parking garage. And then you're reminded very quickly of the realities going on. But I'm glad that the front bottoms could also be a distraction to you. They are high on my list right now. Heavy rotation right now. Well, Michelle, as long as the world doesn't end, we are scheduled to go see them on August 28th. The Front Bottoms in Jimmy World and Joyce Manor, which... Yeah. Oh, are you going to that? Oh, I bought tickets day one. Okay, me too, bro. Actually, (laughs) I brought them pre-sale, so... What's up now? I, you think I you think I wasn't on the pre-sale list for the front oh, bottoms? Oh, wait a minute. I think Come my on. husband got the pre-sale code from you. That is exactly what happened. I DM'd him the pre-sale code. Well, you're the real MVP then. I'm a suspect. I'm a traitor. I'm only here in body visiting. Yellow face. to my feet because tonight the world turned to me because right now chase the light the title track is up next uh title track is my fucking jam speak your truth have have your say on the song i okay so if this song is a relationship this is when it's going right this is like we're in love like chase this light with me like we're in this together right it does not continue like that through the next couple songs but for this moment this is when it's good that was so nice you're right i really like this song don't worry i really like this one it was 
almost a li- I I don't know why it was at this point in the album. I feel like it would have been better served maybe up top not because I think Big Casino is the perfect opener for this but I feel like we could have put this in around Carry You and it just would have continued the stream of great songs but I really like this and it was nice to have a Jimmy World song that is dealing with relationships that you know romantic side of things uh, just because that is again one of those things it's like well it's you know if you're gonna have a Jimmy World album you're going to have probably some breakup songs and you're probably going to have some falling in love songs and I think this falls to the latter I really enjoy Chase the Light this is yeah this is the falling in love song like we're we're great like everything's fine um I I don't know I will I don't want to sound like lame but I will like cry to this song and I don't know why because it's theoretically a happy song but I will like sing the song and cry and it's also like one of those songs that if i'm sad and i listen i can't listen to this one which doesn't make sense because it's not a sad boy song does it make you think of your fraternity boyfriend and what could have been (laughs) no very very few things make me think of him (laughs) i think that's probably for the best Uh, except well you know he's louis real bad the dog louis Oh, your dog Louie. I did not realize that is uh, where Louie came dad. from. Yeah, so I, because I got Louie when we lived together right when I graduated college. Um, we, I, I got him. And then little Lou, he probably doesn't remember his first dad. He was only like six weeks old and we moved out and I carried him under my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Louie, not a fan of me. Louie was attempting to bite me the last time I was inside your house. Oh, no. well, yeah, he's temperamental. He's like his mother. He's temperamental. <laughs> this is where our diligence has led. The waves roll in to claim our patient steps. Become more than just ourselves And leave the sand our want, our will, our doubt It's firefights say there is a firefight going on uh, uh, Just in your, in your daily existence So that is the next song on the album I can't deal with this listed like seriously every song that you mention after here it goes it's just like better 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 i love this song and i'm still on board with the album at this point i really enjoyed firefight as well okay good um okay this is the core of the album so if you like chase this light and firefight like you're fine um i like that it starts a little slower But like I said, this is not when the relationship is still going well. But what I like about this song is that it's like hopeful sounding, but it's still like so desperate. Like some of the lyrics, they just sound like, you know, everything is just like crashing around you and it's falling apart and you're trying like everything you can to make it work. But like, you know, it's over. And I think that it's just conveyed so well and you can feel that emotion when you listen to it. Well, I can't anyway. I don't. Did you feel that? I don't know. I think desperation is the perfect word to use. I think that is uh, an adjective, an emotion that the band is very good at portraying just from my limited knowledge of their catalog. And I think that is very present in this song, which, again, 
just the loudness of this record and how big the guitars are and how loud the drums sound. It was all very nice and very pleasant because there's almost like a... I, I do some mental gymnastics every once in a while of just trying to figure out, you know, why certain music catches on, why albums fade away, and hearing Jimmy World on a major label with money behind them, and we get into the reviews after we finish the album, one of the publications that reviewed this album just really made me laugh because it, you know, just seems so odd to me as someone that primarily grew up in an era where rock music is de-emphasized and alternative when electric, and hearing the heavy distorted guitars and these big pounding drums and such an emotional song like this one, I have to say it was almost comforting in a way. I really enjoyed uh, this track in particular. Yeah, it's, I love it. And this is actually one of my favorite, like lyrical things. Um, I think it's, is it this? Yet? Yes, it is this. It's like, you could be anything, just be anything here with me. It's just like perfect because like, I just feel like in a actual like relationship, that is like how you feel. It's, but, it, but the way that it's sung, it seems so desperate and just is like, just stay anything for any reason. I don't care why just stay, but I don't know. I just really like that one. It is an Instagram caption waiting to happen. It is. Yes. I bet this was probably on an AIM away message or something or other back in the day, maybe in MySpace. Yeah, back uh, in the day, post. I'm really not, you know, too <laughs> familiar with such a service. It's <laughs> a live journal. <laughs> I, I, uh, one time Rich tried to find my live journal and thank God he didn't because I'm not sure we would be married. <laughs> <laughs> one stormy night, we went to the Metro to see the plain white tees and things got <laughs> crazy. Thing, and then, no, I was, I was um, a writer of music and that is where my lyrics ended up. <laughs> And I am so glad they're gone forever. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to dive into the web archive and see if we can rescue those. Because now I'm incredibly curious to see what yeah, lies. He, he told me one time, he was like, hey, you know, like the live journal servers got wiped. And I think like some type of anxiety that's always been in my brain kind of left <laughs> at that moment. Just a subtle like fist pump. Like, yes. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, oh, the world is lighter now. Um, um one okay i listened to this song today too and one of the lyrics was um love is courts and breath the second hand um so what i took that to assume was like each breath you take is like a second hand so what 60 breaths a minute and like while i'm baking cinnamon rolls i was like whoa that's way too much to be breathing like you probably have fucking covid and you need to go to the hospital <laughs> if you're breathing 60 60 times per second like bat like Jimmy, I will always stand behind your lyrics, but that one, it's just its just not medically accurate. <laughs> well, in a way, they were ahead of their time. They really predicted the future there. I don't think <laughs> they were doing that on Dizzy, which is the next track. You close your eyes and kiss your hand, then you blow it. But it isn't meant for me, and I notice. If the choice was ours alone, the what we both choose letting go, does it end like this? Time never had a chance to heal your heart. Just a number always counting down to a new start. If you always knew the truth, then the world would spin around you. Are you dizzy yet? 
Oh, this one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one's my favorite over the last four. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you're you're really into this song. Oh, love. Uh, please don't. Please don't break my heart on this case. I, I'm not. Please. I'm not. I have in my notes. It's fine. I think it's this, a fine it's, song. Well, everything you've done is fucking wrong. Then <laughs> your opinion doesn't matter. This is one of my favorite, all-time favorite Jimmy Eat World songs. Um, this is the breakup song. So in the the trifecta we just did, we had the Chase is Light great relationship. We had the firefight where you know it's over, but it's not over yet. This is the breakup. This is where, like you're done you're broken up and kind of reminiscing on that relationship um i don't know i love i love this one and this is somewhere buried in a live journal somewhere you scrawling these scrolling these lyrics out yes really (laughs) there's a payphone reference in there come on (laughs) actually this song has been my instagram caption before because when i was in montreal i saw an old payphone and i took a picture of it with my 35 millimeter film camera and i uploaded it to instagram so this song was the caption now michelle that was a flex you did say 35 meter millimeter film camera Uh, Oh, yeah. Gen Z is going to love that. And I understand that you are at least slightly aware of that because your husband uh, has recently dipped his toes into the emo rap scene. And you've been seeing a lot of film cameras there. Is that correct? I didn't know you young children loved film. I can teach you everything there is to know about it. Um, When I was in high school and we took photography class, we learned on 35 millimeter. That makes me sound so fucking old. I'm only 32. (laughs) But... They like digital was just starting to come, but I don't think it was like fully available, like for somebody who's am- an amateur photographer. Also, they taught us on 35 millimeter so that you like know the actual settings before you go buy like a digital one and set it in auto mode. But I'm that is something that I'm always thankful that I learned. And now you I'm so happy you Gen Zers are in love with 35 millimeter film because it's the best. We're bringing it back. It might not be the most sensible thing, which the next track is be sensible. Let me have the keys and you can take a rest from the lightless main street until the next. Who knows what there was to see? Before the light turned green, there's so much hell to learn. The static or the silence, don't know which is worse. The dial isn't broken, that's the way it works. At this point in the album... Okay, this is where I fall off. <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page. I Okay, yeah. No, this this song, I oftentimes forget. To me, this album ends at Dizzy. <laughs> and the thing is, I think it could very reasonably end at Dizzy because it's yeah. not that Be Sensible is that bad of a song, but this is track 12 on an album, an album that goes almost 50 minutes, and this is a five-minute slower kind of ballady song. Is it really five minutes? It is indeed a five minutes, five second song. Wow. It's just, it just lingers for a little too long. I don't, I don't think the album gains anything by having this in its arsenal, whereas the final song on the album, Distraction, certainly, I think at least has some charm. There's a simple
it's yeah and that one's it's fine but again it's it's not my favorite and it's not how i'd want this album to end out i feel like you could have easily been like dizzy done that's the album i think well you're you're so right in that sense because there's that narrative structure there of chase the light firefight dizzy that is so strong and i wouldn't want to lose that and then you just like throw it off a cliff when you go into like these last two songs ending an album with dizzy though oh man i mean that's going to send some people i think they're going to jump off a cliff when they hear that it's like oh you know again you perfect it means you made that (laughs) it means you made your album right it means that is art happening and you need to accept (laughs) it because like we start with big casino you know where this new jersey success story things are going well by the end of the album and this is what i i really enjoyed this aspect of the album that by the end of it we're ending and if we want to say the album ends on dizzy it's a breakup song we're going back to our old ways it's almost a little frightening of like the more people change the more they stay the same because it feels like there is a and again you mentioned the word earlier desperation there is a desperate attempt to change your character to become something new that i think jimmy world is trying to explore in this album at the end of the day the same people make the same mistakes Right. Uh, so, okay, I know I know we're not still on Dizzy because we no, moved back. No, but we go back. <laughs> but, so, like, one of the lyrics in there is, like, if you always knew the truth, then the world would spin around you. Are you dizzy yet? And I just think, oh, see, that's Louie. He's saying he just wanted to remind us that. <laughs> Rich is still his favorite dad, even though it's not his real dad. Good, that's healthy. Um, so, um, I just think that, that actually could just be a lyric that, like, at some point in their li- your life, everybody needs to hear that. Because there's always going to be a time that you think, like, I don't know. I think there's oh, that could mean something to any person ever. It certainly would sound nice packaged in a dramatic monologue. I think yes. any sort of confrontation, <laughs> if you would just have that line ready and just, you know, have it in your back pocket. And this is something that I will tell my friends because most Gen Zers not super familiar with Jimmy Eat World in their catalog. I feel like if we just busted this one out during our next breakup, it would come across as original and it would win Whoa. us some major points. Yes, I agree with that. I think you should try it. Social experiment. Try that one. <laughs> Let me get into a relationship like, and then damn. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Please, please let me know how it goes. <laughs> of course. You're like, damn, I don't even want to break up with this girl, but I really want to see how this line's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I really started to like her, but also I made a promise to Michelle. I'm going you to break did. up with her. So you <laughs> and, have and my not word. And just to me, all of the listeners. And just all of them. And they're all counting on me, which is good because I thrive under accountability. <laughs> Michelle, that brings us to the end of the album. Jimmy World's Chase the light does it because there's an expanded version oh i i had a feeling you were going to do this to me what would you like to say about the expanded version no i think i don't think that i'm gonna say what you think i'm gonna say about there so on the expanded version there's a acoustic quote-unquote acoustic version of dizzy and i am a sucker for anything acoustic (laughs) but noted plain white tees fan that makes sense (laughs) 
Um, that was brand new, but <laughs> that was a brand. Do you do you not listen to enough brand new? No, I okay. So I don't listen to a ton of brand new because okay, they were never. Jesse is problematic. I get that Gen Zers. I get it, but I fell in love with the the songs before. That. So that's exactly what it is. Is they weren't like they're not really a band from my generation so i didn't really know them until shit hit the fan and then yeah, i was like that, oh well it's too late that now was unfortunate yeah because i well that's neither here nor there it's problematic now but i am typically somebody who will always be pro acoustic and i typically gravitate towards the acoustic versions of things like if i find out there's an acoustic version i'm like done that's it this one is it's not it for me. I like the original better. You can hear all the crescendo of the like guitar and like the everything. You just hear the instrumental crescendo, decrescendo, and it makes it like makes it fill the room around you. This seems like a hollowed out version that just didn't. I don't know. It just doesn't. Well, it doesn't sound have that same great. charm. It's not no. the dizzy that you know and anything. You know, I mean, we went three songs ahead and then you brought it back to dizzy. It's clearly a song that you have some sort of emotional attachment with. And if it's not that version of dizzy, it's not the right version of dizzy it's for not you. Not the right version. No. So typically a big fan of acoustic. Not in this case. I'm sorry, Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> That's okay. It was an album, like I said, released in October of 2007. The reviews for this album received a 3 out of 5 from Rolling Stone, a B- from the AV Club, and Entertainment Weekly gave this album an A. And I personally think there is something so funny about Entertainment Weekly reviewing a Jimmy Eat World album. Yeah, that is um, interesting. So it's hard for me to think back to that time to really get a sense of like where they were actually at, um, like mainstream wise, um, to because to me they were always like such an integral band to me. It's like in my worldview, they've just always been there and they've always been front and center. So it's hard for me to like remember like was I a weirdo and I was the only one who thought that or if it was everybody else too it's a weird album because there's not a ton of just coverage of it you know it wasn't an album that Pitchfork reviewed there's not you know some great oral history of Chase the Light there's a lot of coverage on Bleed American there's a little bit more on Futures if you go back to their uh, pre-Bleed American records a lot of those hold up oh, yeah. within you know the esteemed emo journalists of the world but Chase the Light is a little bit on an island which means Michelle you have a chance to set the table to lay the groundwork for what this rating is to a crowd of Gen Zers so out of 10 what do you give Chase the Light? I, I feel like my opinion is so biased. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it can't be scientifically like... Let's see, you said the album changed your life. You said you love almost all I of these mean, songs. I don't see how it could be biased at all. It, it's a 10 out of 10, man. Like, I don't know. This album is like, to this day, probably a top five album for me. Real quick, not to put you on the spot, but what are the other albums kind of colliding in that top five stratosphere just to give us a greater perspective on what you're into 
Okay. Um, so again, I get it. Problematic, but Deja, <laughs> Deja and Tendu from Brand New, probably. And you are canceled um, now. You just have to deal with that. Uh, yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, to be fair, it was bef- it was before I knew. I didn't know. Um, oh gosh, this is. You should have given me a heads and up. And you're right. It this. was impolite of me to impose such a loaded <laughs> question on you. But I feel like they're all kind of within the stratosphere. So if you like Chase the so, Light. I'm wide awake and it's morning is up there. Oh yes, big um, big fan of that album. Um, trans transatlanticism the is Death probably Cab album. Up. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then can I put Bleed American in there too? I don't Bleed know. American in there, of course. Um, I mean, if I'm thinking of like stuff that I would just go to over and over again oh you know what let's play this fun game i can go on spotify but you know the plain white tees that their stop album is probably like been transformational to me because that is kind of like how i got into music going to local shows it's like the reason i bought a guitar so plain white tees stop probably has to be a top album for me too not to break your heart, but my relationship with the Plain White Tees is that they once played on an episode of the Nickelodeon show iCarly, and I discovered oh. them there, and I was like, hmm, okay, well, all right. Well, first of all, you have great taste because iCarly is a great show. I love that show. Miranda Cosgrove <laughs> is welcome on this podcast anytime she likes. I anytime, think yes. She's a she's, fascinating human. She's, she, like, really interesting. I, I just, yeah, she's and adorable, so. Oh, yes, that, yes. <laughs> In addition, <laughs> it just happens to help that she's smart and pretty. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so I don't know, but that was the Plain White Tees were probably a big band in my life, but I came from the same hometown as them and like watched them grow up. So, like, I grew up, they grew up, like, I saw every album. I remember, vividly remember when they got signed to their first label. Like, so to me, it's just like, again, the nostalgia thing. I've like seen them start from playing in to 10 people in a like park district building. And that, and actually I wasn't even old enough to drive. My dad had to drop me off at the shows. Um, <laughs> That's good like, parenting. Yeah. Great parenting to then playing at the Metro. And then all of a sudden you're like, dang, they're selling the Metro out to then like winning awards for Hey There Delilah. So I think that's cool. Also, all the guys that are in that band are like genuinely good-hearted people. So that makes them more likable. Well, they're not canceled. That's that's good. Yes. I've got two more questions for you, Michelle. First one, Jimmy World Chase the Light. Who needs to hear this album and why? Oh, gosh. Everybody. I don't know. Um... Well, if you're going through a breakup, it's going to be one of those albums. It's going to pick you up and you're going to you're going to hit that first couple tracks and be like, I can get through this breakup. And then you're going to hit Dizzy and be like, I'm so fucked. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think it's just a good if you're going through this some shit album to me, it's got enough to keep like pump you up and it's got enough that you always need those songs to keep you sad and just to cry it out. And it's got that too. So I think that's one of the great things about this album. I think that's a healthy way of looking at things. And finally, Michelle, other than social distancing, what do you have to plug? Um, please, um, please don't get coronavirus. I don't know. Please don't. Please stay at home. Um, 
It, and honestly, Gen Zers, I know you guys don't think it's affecting you, but like we've seen really young. Okay, this is going to get dark. We've seen really young kids getting not I don't want to call them kids, but like people my age are getting intubated and it's like terrifying. So just because you're young and healthy doesn't mean you're like not going to get hit with this and doesn't mean you're going to get like horribly sick from it, even if you don't end up in the hospital. So please stay home. Don't go play lacrosse or frisbee golf because i might call the cops on you i don't know (laughs) don't make me do that (laughs) please don't make michelle call the cops on you is there anything else it's not in my personality so please don't it is now though you have become a cop caller damn it (laughs) i need to go back to the fireside bowl and get back to my roots You have a lovely photography page on Instagram. Would you like to plug that? Is there anything else you'd like the people to know? I do. I'm a photographer. So I'm on Instagram at explore. Uh, is it explore.exposure? It me- is your Instagram page. I would it's- hope you would know. <laughs> well, you know, explore.exposure. Yep. There you go. Um, and when this coronavirus thing doesn't go on, I do uh, photography as a side hustle. So if you need some photo, get at me. Are we going to get any episodes of the 90s podcast anytime soon? Oh, that has been heavily requested at work, too. I have a doctor that used to listen to those, and he's like, when are you going to do more? I'm like, dude, I, I'm here. What do you? When do you want me to do it? Um, <laughs> I was a big fan. It was like going to history class. Yeah, so maybe we'll have to start that back up again then. You'll um, have some time on your hands. I, yes, now is the time to do it. Um, so maybe we'll start that back up. And then if you are a wrestling fan, I occasionally will be on um, House Call, which is where I just watch old 90s uh, wrestling matches and commentate it on myself, which I've other people seem to find it quite entertaining. I don't get the I don't get it, but other Speaking people seem to like from personal experience as someone that has sat next to a uh, sat next to Michelle at wrestling shows before, <laughs> it is the ideal way to watch professional wrestling. <laughs> like I take it pretty seriously, like I know what's going on, I'm in tune with everything. Michelle knows nothing and it's such a better experience. I wish I could get on her level because it seems like so much more fun. Yeah, well, I mean, if you don't have an eight-year-old to bring with you, I am the next best thing. (laughs) I have the same amount of knowledge as they do in that regard. Oh, that is terrific, Michelle. Thank you for joining me. Uh, If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at at Art School Albums. You can follow me on both Instagram and Twitter at underscore K-Slow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And until next time, I thank you for listening to the Art School Albums podcast.